Thank you for listening to this sermon from Hope Church, Toronto West. It is our prayer that through these audio sermons, you are challenged and transformed by the Word of God, built up in love and faith, and drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now as you prepare your heart to receive God's Word, we pray that His Spirit would use the sermon powerfully in your life. Well, this morning we're continuing in our series called Habakkuk. Habakkuk, waiting on God when there's no end in sight. Before we get into God's word today, I want to remind you of where we've been in this small and often forgotten book called Habakkuk. In Habakkuk chapter 1, we saw the prophet Habakkuk questioning the problem of evil in his context of Judah. How could God allow his people to have strayed so far away? That was the oracle given to the prophet Habakkuk. That was the burden given to him. And the truth we learned in message number one in our series was this. When your heart is burdened, like Habakkuk's heart was burdened, and you can follow the example of Habakkuk and take it to the Lord in prayer. It's powerful. Later in chapter 1, Habakkuk went on to question God's answer and God's solution to the problem of evil in Judah. God answered him. God responded to his cry, but not in a way that Habakkuk was expecting. How could God raise up a nation more wicked than they were in order to discipline his people? And the truth that we learned in message number two was this, when God's ways seem perplexing to you, uh, never forget that God is always working for our good. And God is never constrained to work in one particular way. No, in fact, all the nations are under his sovereign control and he answers prayer according to his wisdom and his divine purposes. Now, in the final part of chapter 1 and going into chapter 2, we saw Habakkuk beginning to lean more willingly on the doctrine of God's sovereignty, and we saw Habakkuk begin to learn the power of patience and waiting on God. And the truth we learned in message number 3 was this, that learning to wait on God means remembering his character, who he is. And even while wrestling with his actions, praying prayers of lament, there's a theological category for the Christian called praying prayers of lament, wrestling with God. We saw Habakkuk doing that, even as he was learning to wait on God. And here's what I don't want you to miss. There's a substantial truth here, and we're going to get to our text in a moment. But here's a substantial truth we can't miss from the previous weeks is that beholding the glory of God in his character, revealed in his word, joined with honest prayer and the seeking of his face will inevitably lead to greater faith. And this matters more than we may even realize today because as the writer to the Hebrew says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And this is what Habakkuk highlights. God's word highlights this in Habakkuk, that the righteous will live by faith. And so finally, last week in chapter 2, Habakkuk came to realize through some much-needed perspective, regardless of what we may perceive of our current situation, the reality is that 
The truth is that every plan, every evil plan, every plan opposed to the plans of God will ultimately fail and one day all the wrongs in this world will be made right. And there is a day coming, as we read earlier in the service, that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. That's chapter 2, 14. And that's some good perspective that came to the prophet Habakkuk and that's some good perspective for us today. Now today we enter into the final chapter of Habakkuk's prophecy, and it's in this final chapter that we begin to see the very purposes of God being established in Habakkuk's own heart through Habakkuk's very intimate prayer. You see, loved ones, when our hearts are burdened and when God seems inactive and when patience is being formed in us and when perspective begins to fill our lives, a very powerful thing begins to happen in our hearts. And we're going to see it in Habakkuk today. And here's what happens. Faith, faith begins to rise. So here's a question before we jump into the text. Do you have faith for anything today? Are you believing God for anything today? Are you trusting God about anything today? I ask that question because it's very often the case that we can stumble through this life as Christians and lose our grasp on what matters the most. And not before long, you may find yourself sitting in a church service like today and thinking to yourself, I've been quite apathetic in my walk with God, and I'm not believing him to do anything in my life. I'm not seeking him for anything in my church. I'm not trusting him for, to, to do anything in the world. We want faith to rise. And that's my prayer today. So if you have your Bible, please go with me to Habakkuk chapter 3. Habakkuk chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, you can put up your hand, and one of the ushers would love to put a copy of God's Word into your hand. And if you don't own a Bible, that Bible will be our gift to you. We would really love you to take it home and read it and have your life changed by the Word of God. Habakkuk chapter 3. We're going to expound verses 1 to 16. If you're having trouble finding Habakkuk, just go to the end of the Old Testament and move backwards from Malachi, Zechariah, Haggai, Zephaniah, and there you'll find a Habakkuk. The title of this morning's message is this, When Faith begins to rise. I'm going to read verses 1 to 2 and 16, and then we're going to jump in to expound on the Word of God today. Habakkuk chapter 3, starting from verse 1, says this. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet, according to, notice, Shigianos. O Lord, I have heard the report of you, and your work, O Lord, do I fear, in the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Jump down to verse 16. Habakkuk says, I hear, and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Notice, yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. 
All right, I'm going to share with you what I'm calling a prayer for Hope Church from the prayer of Habakkuk, and this is where we're going to start. Here's a prayer. This sermon is going to be a prayer, and my prayer for you is that I, as I expound this text as a prayer, that this would become our prayer. Here's a prayer for Hope Church from the prayer of Habakkuk. Point number one is this. Oh Lord, in times of trouble, give us a song of dependence. It's my prayer, and I pray that's your prayer today. Oh Lord, in times of trouble, give us a song of dependence. Notice verse 1. It says, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet, notice, according to Shigianos. Now, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but just going to go with me on this. Shigianos, okay? Now, by the end we get to chapter 3, Habakkuk is beginning to accept and trust the way God is choosing to answer his prayers. And this is seen in his posture and particularly in the change of genre that's happening here in chapter 3. There's a change in the genre of literature here in Habakkuk's prophecy in chapter 3. The prayer of chapter 3 is actually a psalm. The genre shifts. In fact, the prayer of Habakkuk is said to be, look at verse 1, according to Shigianos. Have you ever heard that word before? Probably not. Shigianoth. It's a rare term in Scripture that's used only in cases of complete dependence on God's faithfulness, and it's actually a transliteration meaning stringed instruments. And so Habakkuk's prayer is a song. And what you need to know is that Habakkuk's prayer here in chapter 3 is set to music. One commentator says of Habakkuk's prayer, it is played on stringed instruments, possibly a harp, and is under the leadership, listen, of a musical professional. So Habakkuk's restless questioning is turning into a song of dependence, Shigianos. This prayer is according to Shigianos. It is being prayed to stringed instruments. It is a song. Why? Well, I suggest to you that it's because music is a very powerful gift given to us by God, and there are moments in our lives that call for particularly a Bible's open, knees bent, voices raised, tears filling our eyes kind of singing that expresses the deepest expression of our heart and in the deepest way our trust and dependence on the Lord. A shigianoth, stringed instruments, genre shifts, Habakkuk prays, and he begins to sing his prayers to God. Now, you may be sitting here and you don't think of yourself as a singer. I would encourage you to change your mindset. We're praying that God would give our church a song of dependence in times of trouble. I had a moment like that in my car this week. Heart burdened within me. Theology rehearsed in my mind. Prayers had been offered. 
But it wasn't until I began singing an old chorus that my heart began to really trust and believe and depend again. This is the song that filled my heart as I was driving in my car and tears were filling my eyes because the burden felt too crushing for me. I, I need you more. More than yesterday. I need you more. More than words can say. I need you more than ever before. I need you more. I need you, Lord. Paul and Silas had a song like that. Accused of disturbing the city and accused of advocating unlawful customs, attacked by a large crowd beaten with robs. The Bible says that they were inflicted with many blows and thrown into prison. Notice on the screen, Acts 16.25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, notice, and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. In a time of trouble, Paul and Silas had a song in their hearts. The Lord Jesus had a song like that in Matthew 26.30. We read an often overlooked verse on the screen, Matthew 26.30. And when they had sung a hymn led by Jesus Christ, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now, of course, we know it was customary to sing a hymn after the Passover, but I have a feeling that this song meant much more to the Lord Jesus Christ than we may realize because of what's said in Matthew 26.31 on the screen. The very next verse says, Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. With betrayal and arrest and crucifixion in front of him, Jesus had a song in his heart. The psalmist in Psalm 77 had a song in his heart that became the song of an entire community. It was a song designed, as one commentator put it, for a time when the people of God were in a low condition. Notice on the screen, Psalm 77, 1 and 2 and verse 6. The psalmist says, I cry aloud to the Lord, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. In times of trouble, God's people have always had a song in their hearts. And Habakkuk had a song in his heart. The law was paralyzed. False gods were being idolized. The nation about to be severely chastised. And the Bible says a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet according to Shigianoth. And God gave him a song of dependence. Now, when you're in trouble, loved ones, when you're perplexed, when you're like me some days and your Bible's open, but you're not reading it, you're staring into space. The Bible's open and there you are, five minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, 
half, uh, an hour and a half, and you haven't read one thing, just Bible open, you're staring into space. When you've offered prayers, when you've written down in your journal, when, when you're in trouble and nothing seems to be working, what is the song you go to that delivers your heart out of its frozenness and into a realization of the dependence we have and we need upon the Lord? What is your song? What is the song that you go to that puts beautiful theological realities to music in a way that stirs you to worship and complete dependence? When was the last time you sang a prayer of complete dependence? Music is powerful, and it's a powerful gift given to us by God. And as Habakkuk sings his prayer, I have found that it's just what my heart needs some days when I'm so burdened or tired or weak and I can't read and I can't pray, to sing moves me out of my position that is so stagnant and into the word in a way that challenges me. What's your song? A prayer for Hope Church from the prayer of Habakkuk. Oh Lord, in times of trouble, give us a song of dependence. And let me add, oh Lord, in times of trouble, Give us a song that we sing together corporately that is loud. Help us to be a singing church. Help us to be a rejoicing church. Help us to be a church with hands raised in desperation and full surrender. Help us to be a church that understands our complete need for him. Help us to be a church that sings so loud that the people on the streets walking by can hear it. Help us to be a church that sings so loud songs of complete dependence that God looks and says of this church, they know they need me. I'm rushing to help them. A prayer for Hope Church from the prayer of Habakkuk, O Lord. Times of trouble give us a song of dependence. Secondly, this. A prayer for Hope Church from the prayer of Habakkuk. Secondly is this. O oh Lord, remembering the past, give us faith for the future. Remembering the past, give us faith for the future. Before we look at the text, I want to ask you the same question I asked you at the beginning of the message. And here it is. And I want you to answer. What are you Believing God for these days. What are you having faith for these days? Notice verse 2. Habakkuk says, O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Now what's Habakkuk praying here? What's he saying? I'll give it to you in a sentence. Essentially, Habakkuk is saying, he's praying, he's singing this. I've seen what you can do, O God. Now, do it again. That's what he's saying. I've heard about what you can do, O God. Do it again. I've heard the reports of what you've done. Revive it in these years. Renew it in these years. Restore it again in these years. Remembering the past, O oh Lord, give us faith for the future. And in verses 3 to 15, you need to know Habakkuk takes time to look back. 
He looks back at the reports of God's work throughout Israel's history. He looks back and he petitions God. Notice it again in verse 2. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. What is Habakkuk doing here? What's he asking for? Well, he sees the impending judgment of God upon Judah through the Babylonians, a wicked nation, and he believes in the ultimate judgment of God against the Babylonians, and he believes in the rescue and deliverance of God's people ultimately, and he knows it's going to be a hard season, that this is not going to happen overnight, and so he pleads with God, in these hard years, Lord, bring a revival and a renewal of the work we've seen you do before. You see? You see what he's doing? He looks back. And he looks back at the reports of God's awesome power. And looking back fuels his faith for the future. And now he says, I know we're about to face some hard years. And our nation deserves the discipline that's coming to us. And I know you're going to put things right with Babylon in the end. But would you please revive the great works of old in these years? you help us? He's saying, help us. Show us your glory. I was thinking about this, and I, I felt convicted for my own life and for our own church, and that's why I'm forming this sermon as a prayer. I was convicted because I was asking myself the question, is this how I pray? Is this how you pray, Mr. Pastor? Is this how you pray? Calling everyone else to pray. Is this how you pray? Is this how our church prays? Remembering God's past work in order to be strengthened with faith for God's future work? Is this how we pray? Believing God for a revival? Is this how we pray? If that sounds mystical to you, if that sounds a little unusual to you, it shouldn't because it's right from the words of Habakkuk. This is what he's doing in God's word. He's asking God for a revival of all that God has done in the past. And our situation bears a lot of similarities to that of Habakkuk's. I don't know if you're aware. In Habakkuk's context, God's people had so compromised after a time of blessing under King Josiah, and they were now positioned for discipline and judgment. In our context, Christianity has so declined among the very nations that were founded upon it. Some similarities there. And much of the talk in the church these days surrounding the state of the culture and the decline of the culture is so often marked by prayerless, powerless, fearful, and prideful rhetoric. Don't get caught up in that talk. When you're in a crowd and all you hear is fearful, prideful rhetoric about our culture and about its decline, yes, it's in decline. Do what Habakkuk does and pray for a revival. Do what Habakkuk does and grab for a song. 
Do what Habakkuk does and grab your friends together and say, let's look at all he's done for us in the past and let's believe with faith that he will do it again. Because that's what he does. Now here's what I get from Habakkuk's prayer in this similar context to ours. Enough with our pride. Enough with our empty talking. Enough with building theological walls that excuse us of dependence and prayer. Where are the men and the women who sing with tears in their eyes? Where are the men and the women who pray for revival, that the wondrous works that God has done in the past would be done in our days? Where are the men and the women who will not tire of the call to prayer, but who are truly broken over their own sin and the condition of the world and the condition of churches all around us? Listen, we can have our theology all straight, but if this is not a praying church, we are losers. And you can have your theology all straight. But if you're not a praying man or a woman, it's maybe not much more than fearful, prideful rhetoric. Because it's easier to complain than it is to pray. Because when we complain, we do the work of the devil. And he aids you in that. But when you pray, you do the work of God. And he opposes that. Habakkuk prays, the word of God tells us. He prays, in the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. And then he goes on from verses 3 down to 15. Habakkuk begins to rehearse the report of God's mighty deeds of the past, the work that he's asking God to renew and revive. And what we find is a powerful manifestation of God, which in theology is called theophany. And this theophany essentially becomes a display of glory and victory, which fuels the faith of Habakkuk, and it must fuel our faith. This is what happens when you flip back, and I've done this this week. You flip back to Genesis, and you start to go through to Exodus, and you flip through, and you flip through, and you see, my goodness, this God is unbelievable. You start to realize, why am I so afraid? My goodness, this God parts seas. In verses 3 to 4, Habakkuk recalls the glory and radiance of God as he came to rescue his people on their journey from Egypt to Canaan. In verse 5, Habakkuk recalls the pestilence is before him and plague is behind him. In verse 6, Habakkuk is reminded that his God is the one who measures the earth as he did at the beginning of creation. In verses 7 to 15, Yahweh is portrayed as a mighty warrior who crushes his enemies, destroying everything that tries to stand in his way and delivering his people from all their trouble. What we have in verses 3 to 15 is theophany, a manifestation of God. Theophany, glory, and victory. And as Habakkuk remembers the mighty works of old, 
His faith is rising within him and he cries out, oh Lord, do it again. And I have to believe that Habakkuk has tears in his eyes. I have to believe that Habakkuk, as it tells us later in verse 16, we'll get to it. He's trembling. He's reverent. He, he, his lip is quivering, the text tells us, because he sees who God is. You know what God was speaking to me earlier this week? Jason, eyes off yourself. Eyes off yourself, Jason. Your eyes are on yourself. Eyes off yourself. Eyes off yourself, look at God. Eyes off yourself, look at God. Not on you, not on what you perceive to be the situation. Eyes off of yourself and onto God. Look at who he is. Look at what he's done. And then ask him with faith to do it again. Theophany, glory, and victory. Oh Lord, do it again. By now, you may or may not have heard of what's being called the Asbury Revival. For the past 10 days, a college campus in Kentucky called Asbury University has been holding nonstop gatherings for preaching and worship and prayer that, according to reliable reports, have been marked by hundreds of students confessing sin and seeking God in orderly worship and prayer, testifying of his work in their lives and evangelizing those who don't know Christ nonstop. An auditorium that seats 1,500 people full of students. An altar that looks like this one, full of students, kneeling, confessing their sin, turning from their sin in repentance, and calling on God to do the things that only he can do amongst young people and amongst older people and in a severely declining culture and in a world that needs Jesus. Amazingly, the same thing happened at the same Asbury University in 1970, a renewal, a revival, a fresh work of God amongst large numbers of people. If you look it up online, you'll find just hundreds of students lined up outside waiting to get in. Now, of course, I haven't been there, so I can't speak authoritatively about what's happening, but here's what I can say. I desire, I hope you desire, but I desire for our church to be a place filled with people who regularly remember the past works of God in our lives and in redemption history and who look ahead with faith for the future based upon that, and who say, we've seen what you can do, O Lord. Do it again. And I also desire for us to be a church filled with people who regularly remember the past works of God and trust Him with patience for the future as well. That's important. Because sometimes we can get carried away and we lose sight of important theological truths. Now, when I'm watching the Asbury revival, I am thinking, Lord, do it among us. 
bring people to a knowledge of Christ, bring complacent Christians to brokenness and contrition, make us a people who are not ashamed to bow and to cry and to sing, do it. But I also want to be faithful to the Bible and particularly here that there are times for us to pray, yes, with faith for the future and at the same time pray and understand God's work of strengthening our patience. Because you know what the church is full of? It's full of people who say, Lord, do it again. You've done it before, do it again. And if he doesn't, and it doesn't do it in a minute, we just we give up. You see, what God is doing here in Habakkuk is he is fueling his faith. The righteous shall live by faith. But he's also shaping and forming a heart of patience in Habakkuk. Really, I'll confess to you, it wasn't until I started studying Habakkuk that I didn't realize how much I needed this in my Christian walk. That I'll lead the prayer meeting, I'll say, believing with faith for the future, yes, Lord. And in my mind, unknowingly, I'm thinking, you better do it soon. But you know, God's speaking to me through Habakkuk. You know what he's teaching this preacher? He's teaching me, Jason. Seek me with faith for the future. Yes, yes, I can do it. I can revive the works of old in your day. Yes, but also, Jason, wait for it. And don't give up. Because God's not a genie. And while he is mighty and able to do anything, as we've seen so often in the past, he's also never confined to our timetable as we've been seeing throughout Habakkuk? And could it be that our God both calls for faith for the future based on all of his past works, but also works to build maturity and patience in the present? Could it be that that's what he's doing? Look at verse 16. Habakkuk says, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet, I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. He didn't understand the problem of Judah. Well, the rebellion in Judah. He cried out to God, why are you letting this go? God answers him and says, I see it. I'm going to handle it. And he raises up the Babylonians to deal with the problem of Judah. And now Habakkuk began to understand why you would raise up the Babylonians who are far worse than the people in Judah to discipline the people in Judah. And then God gives some perspective and says, I'm not just going to do that, but I'm going to deal with the Babylonians. Don't be afraid. And now Habakkuk's faith is starting to be strengthened. Perspective is being filled into his heart. One day all the earth will be filled with the glory of God as the water covers the sea. All of this is going to work out. Habakkuk is trusting in the the sovereignty of God. And now that's why Habakkuk can stop here and say, yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. In other words, God's going to do what God's going to do. And finally, Habakkuk is okay with that. It's his confidence in God that moves him to wait patiently although the day of trouble is inevitable. 
Oh, loved ones, I believe the church has been in a time of extreme testing the past several years. And we've seen many people walk away from the church over the past few years. Many people. And not just this church, many churches. I talk to a lot of pastors. People just, 2019, they're all in. 2020, they're gone. And never came back. Time of testing. But I believe so much that the time of testing is not over. Just see what's unfolding in our culture and you just have to do some logical thinking to realize the things we're going to have to be dealing with in the days ahead as a church are very significant. It's a time of testing for the church. It's a time of testing for you and me. Will we look at his wondrous works in the past and believe him to revive those things in our day? And at the same time, will we Embrace his work of developing a patient heart in us in the process. Be patient, loved ones. God's time is not like ours. So Habakkuk does two things. I'm going to show you and then we're going to close. First, remembering the past, he has faith for the future. I've heard the report of you and the work, O Lord, do I fear in the midst of the years, revive it in the midst of the years, make it known. And secondly, he does something else. Remembering the past, he has enough faith to wait patiently on the Lord. He says that in verse 16, yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. And I think, loved ones, this is what God wants from us. In your troubling circumstance and in our declining culture and in all of our frustrations and with all of our fears as we remember his working among us in the past, oh Lord, would you fill us with faith for the future and at the very same time, oh Lord, teach us to trust you enough to wait for all that you will do among us because we have seen you do it before. We trust that you can do it again. And we surrender our hearts as true, submissive children of God to your timeline and your purpose. Amen? Okay, loved ones, let's stand to our feet right now. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And I'm asking you to stand to your feet so that I can encourage you in a different posture than you've been taking over the past several minutes as we've been in God's Word, and maybe you want to take that to another level. Maybe you want to lift your hands right now as a way of offering yourself to God. We're going to sing a song that helps us to believe, a song that will be our song of dependence today. You may want to lift up your head and close your eyes or bow your head or, or take a knee where you are, whatever your posture is where you communicate to God, Lord, I'm giving myself to you. I want more of you. I want you to work in me and in my family and in our church. Lord, I'm giving you all that I am, all that I am and all that I have, I give to you. So, Lord, we ask that as we sing this song, that it would be a song of dependence for us. And it would be a song of faith. And it would be a song that strengthens us. And it would be a song that teaches us, that prepares us for what's ahead. 
you are so good. And we want to be a people that are submissive to you. Yes, Lord, more faith for the future based on your work in the past. Yes, Lord, more patience in our hearts because your time is not like our time. Make us an enduring people. In Jesus' name we pray. For more resources and information about Hope Church Toronto West, please visit hopechurchtw.ca.